because especially when you're streaming to multiple ones. Hello and welcome to a special, special, special edition of Music City Drive-In. I am not Ricky Valero and neither of my two friends are Jacob, uh, but we He's are right hosting. Here. Yeah, Ricky's influence shall be felt throughout the show as somehow there is a Fast 9 graphic on there that... <laughs> For the life but, of me, I can't figure out how to get it off. <laughs> but but both, I, uh, Ricky and Jacob are away today, and they let us uh, take over. So we decided that the best way to honor them and the legacy of the Music City Drive-In podcast. Oh, he's so I, good. I just, I just took it Ricky yeah, left, yeah. and he's not even here. <laughs> <laughs> the best way we decided to honor the legacy of this uh, podcast is to do a Lord of the Rings celebration. In fact, a celebration of J.A.R.R. Tolkien's entire canon because no one is a bigger <laughs> fan of Lord of the Rings than Ricky Valero himself. And he talks may, about- If I may, if I may, <laughs> we all know of Ricky's affinity for Vin Diesel, who we all know is an avid Dungeons and Dragons and by extension, Lord of the Rings fanatic. So it is only natural that the two should have such an affinity. My God. <laughs> so all of Tolkien's works. As you may have guessed, we're not, we're not starting with kicking anybody off. I am uh, Matthew Fox. <laughs> you know, I I currently write for uh, the Music City Drive-In website, and I'm frequently a guest on this podcast. As is our uh, our next guest, Eric. Throw I'm- it to you. Eric, I am on the Music City Drive-In Podcast Network and sometimes scramble together enough effort to put out articles on the Music City Drive-In website. And um, I, I we feel also you have, there. We also have Christian. Hello. What's up, everyone? I'm really excited to talk about Lord of the Rings today. I hope I'm coming in okay. I've been messing with my mic settings here and there. I'm always changing those around. But yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Um, I am also a writer for Music City uh, Drive-In and part of the Drive-In Podcast Network. Uh, much like Eric, um, I have to like muster up strength to like, I really, I need to be better at it though. Cause like E3 took a lot out of me. <laughs> writing I, think all those. Ricky, I think Ricky by the end of the day is going to feel like we all need to do a lot better. <laughs> hey, look, if this is our final appearance on the show, what a way to go. Hey, <laughs> with one, with <laughs> so one podcast one final podcast to rule them all what better way than Max talk said, about lord of the rings of ricky's yes. favorite trilogy ever <laughs> so before we before we dive in we are going to be looking at uh, the hobbit trilogy and the lord of the rings trilogy and there is there is a reason for this 20 years ago this year uh the first lord of the rings film fellowship of the ring was released in december of 2001 so it's kind of a fitting time to look back and look at all these but we wanted to each give a little bit of how we first came across these works and i i'll start off uh i watched the animated hobbit which we actually are going to include in our rankings this the 1977 incredible uh animation just an incredible soundtrack for those of you that have seen it it's okay to laugh at home Mm -hmm. uh but my dad used to read the book uh there was an animated book uh that had illustrations based on that 1977 animated film he used to read it to me at night when i was a kid and then of course i went to uh, biola university which is the biblical institute of los angeles and you don't get to go to christian college without completing uh the lord of the rings by J.R.R. tolkien so i actually read those books while i was in college that was when for me the movie came out the first one came out for me uh the december of my junior year in college um the first one came out so i remember kind of racing to finish the first book before the first film came out only to be completely pissed off because peter jackson jumped into the <laughs> beginning of the book of the two towers to end the fellowship of the ring which kind of ruined i made sure i read the other two books before the other film came out just in case but that was kind of my launch into uh, the whole world of jrr tolkien how about you eric so <clears throat> Lord of the Rings was, you know, I, I was young enough uh, when the project was announced 
that my parents were kind of like, eh, this is something they might be into here. Passed out like the <laughs> Hobbit to one of us and the Lord of the Rings to the other to like pass things, which are dramatically different texts. Um, so I'm sitting here and I'm like reading the Hobbit and I'm like, oh, this is cool. And my brother's really pissed off. Who's only slightly older than me, but we're both like under the age of 15. And, um, you know, we passed that back and forth, but every year going to see the Lord of the Rings movies when they came out was like a super huge event. And then I, I'm very happy that my first exposure to the Hobbit was not separated by three years that was expected to be two years over this like i feel so sorry for some people it's but okay. <laughs> but um you know like i i basically this so it's been sort of a formative thing where i've engaged with it bit by bit across multiple forms of media and pieced it together over time Although I've never actually finished reading Lord of the Rings, so I guess immediately, like half the people have left already. So, like, ah. But he's read them, so. <laughs> um, I have indeed. You don't, again, you don't get to graduate from Christian college if you have not completed <laughs> that. Uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, the Screwtape Letters. I'm sure there's another C.S. Lewis one I've got to think of. But, uh, Christian, how about to you? So, for, I was, I was nine years old when the um when the first movie came out and i wasn't introduced to the hobbit until the trilogy came out like i knew of the trilogy i, well, I you wasn't knew of the big... one story yeah but like i was so into harry potter and then here comes this other like goliath of like you know you had harry potter and lord of the rings like 2001 like banging heads with each other and i loved harry potter and my friends like you will love lord of the rings and I was like, I'm like, no way, dude. And I was like, I went to go see it and I was just like, holy, oh, it was amazing. It was fantastic. And I mean, I was disappointed by the Hobbit movies. Like uh, Eric said, it was two movies that got turned into three. And I don't know how you do that with a, with the Hobbit book that's no longer than the first Harry Potter book, which is around like 300 pages or oh, something like it's that. It's shorter than any of the actual Lord of the Ring books. It's a, it, it's very short. In fact, the 1977 animated film probably does fair justice to The Hobbit, which is sort of a children's book. Yeah, and I've never seen the animated film, actually. Like I, I like Eric, I believe I've seen bits and pieces, but I've never seen it all the way through. But that was pretty much my experience with it. Like, it introduced Lord of the Rings, and I was like, oh, my God, the extended editions are coming out. And I, I just fell in love with it. Like, it was just... I haven't felt that way with a movie since a long time. Like Eric said, like it was an event to go see these Lord of the Rings films, much like it was even for Star Wars, like the prequels back in the day, because everyone was like, oh my God, a new Star Wars movie is coming out. Like it was just this huge event that like barely happened um, over a course of a few years. But that's pretty much how I got my introduction into Lord of the Rings. Well, you know, I'm glad you were able to bring up Harry Potter as well, because if there is a second film franchise that Ricky Valero loves nearly and dearly that he wishes he could be on to discuss, it would also be Harry Potter. Yes, it would. I think it actually would. I think uh, so. He, he likes that modern fantasy, high fantasy stuff. Like, Oh, you maybe have not heard him talk about I, I, watching I think, the first No, 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 I have. No. Oh. <laughs> We we that, had to watch a lot of the first one. <laughs> first Harry that means you have been ironic about Harry Potter every single time you've talked about it around me. <laughs> well, so I mean, you know what's great? The next time they're on vacation, I think we already know what we're gonna do as our as our show. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I mean, it's the twenty year anniversary of the first one as well this November. So yeah, yeah, for, yeah, absolutely. Very excited. So we're going to do a few things tonight. We're going to talk about, uh, we're going to give our favorite moments and performances uh, from that. But we wanted to start out uh, by giving our definitive ranking. If you have seen uh, and want to include the 77 animated film, you can. If you have not, it'll be just the three Hobbit films and the three Lord of the Rings films. And we're going to go to Christian first to kick us off. All right, so I'm going to do the Lord of the Rings first because I really don't like the Hobbit movies all that much. But um, my number one for me is um, is Fellowship of the Ring. Like that is my number one overall. It's just it's the beginning of a journey, and you know you see all this world building, and usually when it comes to like 
first films in a franchise or even like the first season of like a TV show, people really just love to see the introduction, the world building of these um, universes. So number one is um, Fellowship of the Ring. And then number two is Return of the King. I just absolutely love that movie. Um, uh, Pippin's Song, whatnot. It was just, I, I just, I can watch that all day long. And then number three would be um, uh, The Two Towers for the Lord of the Rings series. And actually for um, for The Hobbit, uh, number one would be Unexpected Journey and then two and then three as they are released just because it just, it didn't really vibe with me. I did like the first Hobbit. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty well done, but then the more I researched into that franchise and, you know, them trying to make it too much like Lord of the Rings, it just, it didn't vibe with me. Like Legolas wasn't there. We all know Legolas wasn't there. Um, and then, I mean, introducing new characters like they did with, um, oh my gosh, what is her name? She plays um, the Wasp and Ant-Man. Um, yeah, yeah, Evangeline Lily. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Like, I, I thought she was a nice addition. I know a lot of people mm-hmm. didn't care for her all that much, but it's like, you kind of have to add in new characters for the casual audience because, well, I mean, The Hobbit, like, it's it's a very old, it's, it's an old story. So not a lot of people know about it. Not a lot of people are familiar with it. All right, Eric. So starting at the bottom, Tariel is in fact my reason why <laughs> Battle of the Five Armies is the worst thing. So uh, like brief little summary, Battle of the Five Armies was split into a, a third film for a lot of reasons. A notable one is they were literally a few days into filming the quintessential or the, the what is the word? titular Battle of the Five Armies mm. when they were making part two there and back again. And before they realized they just, they had no storyboard, they had nothing and they absolutely couldn't do it and had to give up. That's part of the reason why the movie was made. <laughs> but that's like, that's such bad filmmaking. I know. <laughs> Did you watch Lindsay Ellis's like journey as to like- She actually won a, um, a journalism award of some sort for that breakdown. Did she really? So, yeah, I hundred percent recommend that. <laughs> um, but also, just the behind the scenes of of the, that it just shows like everyone just depressed on set and like all this kind of stuff. But anyways, Tariel, they set up a character as if they were trying to go somewhere with it, and so it's like this sort of promise that's made that maybe it's a love triangle, but also maybe this character is going to stand on their own. How many characters in Lord of the Rings have had their own story worth telling? Okay, I'm on board. And then you end it with, how do I know this? Is, like, why does this hurt so much? Because it's because real. Because it was real. Like, <laughs> also, they didn't have really enough time together. I, I thought maybe I, I had sold it short the last time I watched it, but I, uh, in full disclosure, watched all six, not the animated, but all six of these this last week, 18 and a half hours of my oh, life. So he did my, his homework. That my, that my <laughs> wife... Uh, Every time my wife came in, she's like, are you watching uh, that thing over again? I was like, no, it's a different one. There's six of them. She's like, these are the longest movies ever made. (laughs) And there were times when it was hard to argue. But they did not have enough scenes together for you to feel that there was a deep romance. Like at the end, when uh, at the end of the when they're getting ready to go back to the mountain and he comes to her and he's like, do you want to come with us? No, she doesn't. She's why? That's why it was two casual hangs, and she saved her life. It was actually so. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go get something and show it at the end or whatever. But I'm just gonna keep ranking for now. Uh, so, Battle of the Five Armies. Even they know that like it wasn't what they could do. Desolation of Smog is a close second, just because it's the second half of that blurb where it was like we want to deliver something, and it's just not working and it's bloated and all this kind of stuff but weird twist to me i think those are the only two underneath the bar of good to me i would actually say that unexpected journey and uh two towers are fairly close but Mm. two towers is still above it and then it's fellowship of the ring and return of the king at the very top and from what i've seen of the animated hobbit i would put it i would put it right above Unexpected Journey just because it finishes the story. I got to watch that. So I am going to say, when I did this rewatch, I started and watched The Hobbit all the way through first and then Lord of the Rings. 
And honestly, I think if you had never seen any of them, it almost works a little bit better as it's like those people who have never seen Star Wars before and start with yep. Phantom Menace and don't think it's that bad. Because to me, The Hobbit always suffered from <clears throat> some of the same problems as the Star Wars prequels in that the stakes weren't nearly high enough because you already knew what it was all leading to and how it was going to be resolved. And, you know, when they put people like Gandalf or Bilbo in peril, you're like, we already know there's no chance that, you know, they're dying or they bring in Legolas and, oh, he mm -hmm. might get killed. No, no. he's, he's going to be okay. <laughs> and so I think they suffered a little bit from that. And I forgot until I was watching them, some of those movies are incredibly CGI heavy. It was almost, it, there are some spots when they are in, uh, in Dwarf Mountain, where it is almost Peter Jackson's Waterloo, where the entire thing is being trained. All that to say, I'm going to... I liked them a little bit better, watching them as a prequel lead-in, or maybe tolerated them better. But mine, uh, Battle of the Five Armies is number seven for me. Um, I agree with Eric. It, It's fine, but... It's not fine. <laughs> but now this this might be where we start to diverge paths because I realize listening to you, you guys both have a similar impression of both the first trilogy and this Hobbit trilogy that uh, varies from my my number six is Hobbit and Unexpected Journey. Wow. Okay. My favorite of the Hobbit movies is The Desolation of Smaug. Uh, the and I have that at number five. Hey. I like the interaction between Bilbo and Smaug. Um, mm. That was oh, actually a big part oh, yeah. of the, um, that was a big part of the books that was fun. And also having it be Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman who Reuniting. were in those Sherlock. I don't, you know, may, maybe they were appealing to the inner geek. Bravo <laughs> to you, Peter Jackson. Uh, you did it. I'm not saying there's a big gulf. A Battle of the Five Armies was clearly the bottom for me, but the gulf between those other two was kind of small. Then I would have The Hobbit 1977, which uh, is a complete nostalgic classic. I loved when my dad read it to me. We loved watching the movie, um, you know, little animated Bilbo and his smoke rings and, <laughs> and all that. Uh, when we come to the Lord of the Rings films, uh, number three for me is Lord of the Rings Return of the King, uh, which I actually think is the weakest of the Lord of the Rings films. I know that it brings everything home, but there are pieces of it to me that that drag. There is a story arc, which Eric and I talked about off camera, which we'll probably get to when, when we're talking about our least favorite parts, that it I didn't like it at the time, and it still sort of sticks at me return of the king <clears throat> it's hard because it's intentionally the most frustrating it also has 95 endings it's hard to argue with people <laughs> yeah. that complain about it having so many endings and i'm like and they didn't even get all the endings out of the book but <laughs> but it's still um then number two for me is fellowship of the ring and my favorite is actually The Two Towers. Wow. Um, which I okay, thought was okay. interesting because, uh, so, you know, maybe we'll come to it when we're looking at scenes. But I love the moment at Helm's Deep, um, which was actually. Best uh, piece of music. Love wow. it or hate it. It was uh, the Battle of Helm's Deep and the way that was done in Two Towers was the inspiration for the Long Night in Game of Thrones. Yes, it was. Yeah, I was just about to bring um, that up. You yeah. know, so love it, love or hate the Long Night. I always, I love that. And the moment when you see Gandalf the White come and bring the army and they're charging down, uh, you know, after they've done their brave charge out of Helm's Deep, that was always really stirring to me. There are, I... There, I also think that that film is the best showcase for Andy Serkis. Mm -hmm. The Gollum talking to himself and arguing with himself a few times in that film is mind blowing. Uh, what they were, what he's able to do, and and how they're able to make that work. So that one's always kind of been the top for me. So it remains there. But I think that'll lead us into handing out our awards, and our first one's going to be our favorite moment from. The Lord of the Rings films. So, Eric, take it away. You just reminded me of like eighty. Um, <clears throat> all right, and so and so this is this is the thing, and this backs up the Return of the King. It's my friends. You bow to no one. 
that hit me so hard, dude. I was like, uh, it is very, it's yeah. beautiful. <sighs> I don't know. It's it just kills me every time, every time. Which comes after that kind of semi awkward uh, open it, it mouth really, kiss. Yeah, yeah, get it. <laughs> the the oh. semi awkward. You know, her dad's there. Your entire kingdom's there. They don't really know that you guys are a thing, and you're just like. <laughs> I'm an open mouth. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I know, you know, it was honest. Dude's been yeah. out at war a long time. Yeah, long, <laughs> long time since that trist at Rivendale. See, oh that's the thing. It, it doesn't work as hard without everything that came before it. So there are standalone moments that I think work probably better on their own. But like, in context of the story, yeah. Anyways, all right. <laughs> my my favorite moment from the films actually comes from Fellowship of the Ring, and it's when they are in the cave before they go into Moria, um, and Gandalf and Frodo are having a conversation. It's always been my favorite line from the entire film. Uh, Frodo starts by talking about um, Gollum and how you know it's a pity that Bilbo didn't kill him, and Gandalf says pity is what stayed Bilbo's hand. He has a part yet to play, um, which you know ends up being very, very true. Ends up being the thing that saves Frodo's life, and then Frodo kind of laments and says he wishes the ring had never come to him and that none of it had happened. And that line from Gandalf when he says, so do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that has been given to us. Um, it's just, I, I choke up. I, I couldn't read it all because, you know, I don't want to get dusty in here because that's all Ricky needs is us talking about Lord of the Rings and sobbing. But, yes. but, but it is way. just oh. the most beautiful seen to me um and to recall what i think of to make that movie stand on its own mm. like yeah. oh. so all right christian i i think my one of my favorite moment is when you know the entire journey is about you know taking the ring and destroying it mount doom and the fact that these characters go through everything especially uh frodo and he actually fails at his task and you know the the whole lead up to that where you know sam is like i can carry you it just really shows like the test of their friendship and just i like they're 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 bros like they will literally do anything for each other it's like they've been on this long perilous journey and i i just love that lead up into it's like oh well like it really looks like frodo is going to complete his task and he's like no he's like it's just like what what do you mean like where we are literally here like right now but i think that would have, have to be my favorite uh moment um because eric took my other with <laughs> my friends you about to know well, that <laughs> it is kills such me a every good time one. that is such a good one though like from when they see the stars all yeah. the way through to that is like it's crazy well, how many times frodo tried to push sam away and sam <laughs> stuck with him and yeah and was you know, was loyal. That's that's a true friend. So, from the highs to the lows, <laughs> we're going to transition to worst moment in Lord of the Rings, and I will uh, kick that off. My least favorite. I, I told this to Eric before show is the whole Denethor storyline in Return of the King, um, which is a shame mm. because I love the actor, and I, you know, Fringe is one of my all-time favorite shows. And as Walter, he's just incredible. But as Denethor. He is terrible. Probably my least favorite part of that least favorite storyline is when they're going off to war and he's eating and it like super close ups him chomping on some tomatoes, which I think are disgusting anyway. And just just like picking his teeth. I'm like, no. Did you see the petition I'm to not make sure. John Noble apologize for that scene? Well, and, you know, the thing is, the movie, even the theatrical cuts like three hours and 20 minutes, you're looking for some places to trim. I don't need five minutes of that dude eating chicken. So. Anyway, uh, Christian, over to you. Um, so my least favorite, it would probably have to be in the two towers when Pip and Mary are talking to the tree people. It's just, I like, I enjoyed it when I was a kid. Cause it's like, Oh, you know, like Pip and Mary, they're like my favorite characters growing up. But now like, as I rewatch it, it's, it really just slows down a lot of like the pay, like that's where the pacing hits where it's like, you know, you're starting to get a good story and then it's like, Oh, well it's, it's back to, you know, the tree people and you know, they're, they're speaking their language and, uh, 
I think it was Mary. He's like, oh, like, like, you know, what are they saying? And he's like, oh, like, we just got done saying good morning. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, it's funny, but now it's like, okay, let's let's get back to like what really matters. It 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 feels like within the two towers, there are just certain parts, especially those. Like, it's just like a hard stop. Like, and the pacing just like it trips over itself, and it takes a second to get back into uh, the nitty gritty. Well, you know what, and, and, and kind of along those lines, I think mine is going to be... Oh, real quick before I start, I have to make a correction. So Lindsay Ellis was nominated for a Hugo Award. I don't remember mm, if she won or okay. Anyway, so there's that. Um, the beginning of Return of the King, when all of the drama between Sam and Frodo and Gollum is happening, and like Sam mm. overhears him... But for some reason, Frodo is just not listening to him, and you're seeing the effects that the ring has. I always feel like I'm never, I'm, I'm never able to not 180% empathize with Sam, so I can't get invested in the drama they're trying to create there. So it's like I'm just, <laughs> I'm just waiting for that moment where Sam sees the Lembas bread, and like from then on, when he turns around and yeah. goes after him, like I'm back on board. Yeah, I, I, I would have to agree with that one too for sure. But then I accidentally just said another favorite moment, so sorry. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, now we will uh, we will turn it over to the favorite moment from the Hobbit trilogy. And Christian, no one can snipe you this time. You get to kick this off. No, you're fine. Um, so from the Hobbit trilogy, man, oh man, I would I would probably have to say between it was a conversation between. Um, Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on Martin Freeman's uh, character's Bilbo. name right now. Sorry, sorry. Bilbo. Bilbo and um, the the Dwarf King. Thorin. Yeah, Thorin. It, it was just a simple kind of, you know, like, I, I can't remember the actual line. Are, but you, are he, you talking about the ending-ish part where he says, like, I'll that's why I want to help because yeah. you don't have one. But yeah, I will yeah, take yeah, it yeah, 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 that was it. I'm so, it's been so long since I've seen The Hobbit. I normally don't rewatch them. I'm sorry. <laughs> Martin Freeman is a king. Can it, we was just, like, it was such a simple, like, genuine line where he's like, I'll help you take it back if I can. And it's like, because you have no home. And, you know, it's it sucks when you don't have a home to go back to. So in, yeah. in all Lord of the Rings, there is some melodrama. But Martin Freeman can tackle melodrama and make it feel real. Yeah. Like, and that's a good example of that. Yeah, it was just very genuine line, just very sincere. All right, Eric, your favorite Hobbit moment. Well, we, we've already talked about mine. <laughs> it is the, it, not that one. It, it is the performance of the moment suggested in the Fellowship of the Ring. That little moment where Andy Serkis has to play that feeling of hopelessness because mm. he thinks Bilbo got away and him recognizing it and then instead of attacking him, leaping over his head. The music, the performances and everything. Like, I, I'm not one who... I, I want those stories to be separate stories. But yeah. the fact that that link exists and was done so well. Like, that's the singular reason why The Unexpected Journey is my number one. Yeah, and that is, that is a good. My uh, favorite moment from the Hobbit trilogy actually does come from the unexpected journey, and it was my favorite, most stirring moment in the trailer too. It's when uh, Thorin starts singing under the misty mountain, mm. uh, like at the beginning. That was a point in time, like in the trailer, I was like, I'm all in. In the movie, I was like, some greatness is about to happen. And do you I, remember the? Feeling? I just don't think we totally got. The payoff of what I felt at that point in time. At that point in time, I was like, this is about to be some incredible Hobbit I, time. <laughs> I'm nostalgic for that trailer. That trailer yeah. just makes me feel like, here it comes. Like <laughs> I know. It's amazing what a movie trailer can still do to people. Like it's it's phenomenal. All right, we're gonna go back to Eric. What's your least favorite moment in the Hobbit trilogy? Thorin <laughs> standing over that gold floor <laughs> and that CGI warped gold ass floor swallowing him in the least subtle, most deadpan smacker <coughs> smack you over the head. We need to insert this to justify why the character comes back in a good mood scene. 
ever. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> mine is uh, is their battle inside um, the mountain when they're trying to kill Smog, uh, and it where the gold is, floor is created. Yeah, it, <laughs> it was just that entire battle sequence. The CGI is horrific. <laughs> I have not seen I mean, molten metal since before Terminator 2. It, that, it looked really rough. It, <laughs> it was like liquid mac and cheese. <laughs> it's pretty much, you know, fake as hell. Yeah. All right, Christian. Um, so mine kind of going back to Matt's, it's it's more of just it's not like a least favorite. I guess it would be the why does it hurt so much? Because it was real. And it's like you never see um Legolas's um, you know, mother and like he he talks about it. It's like why why are you even bringing her up if you're not gonna like at least show us like a flashback or anything? But it, it's actually more of just the hobbits themselves throughout the entire journey, especially when they um when they meet Smaug and he's you know trying to flamethrower them all together. It's like I feel like the 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 Hobbit characters are just very the like, plot. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. The dwarves. I'm sorry. Um, I feel like. It's just like plot armor in a way, because it's like, are they? They seem invincible, because it's like at one point, you know, they're kicking all of this like, and then, <laughs> like, they're they're kicking butt, and then next moment they're helpless, and then they're kicking butt again, and it's like, what? It like it, it's which one is it? Like, I'm very confused here. So that's that's just my overall issue, but I guess like the worst would be the you know why does it hurt so much because it's like there there wasn't really any i don't know i i just really don't like the movies all that much and i've been debating whether to buy them on 4k and i've been waiting for a sale a real sale and they haven't gone below 60 bucks and i'm like i can't do it (laughs) not yet if you want digital only i will say uh on voodoo a couple weeks ago that's how i got the extended edition hobbits uh 4k Mm. i i do have them digitally i'm just more for physical yeah because i'm a physical guy yeah i will say the the extended version of i'm not gonna hold this up i don't want to hold up too much more time no Extended, extended battle of the five armies they finish some of the special effects they couldn't for the theatricals so if there's mm. any of you out there confused about why those goats come out of nowhere they don't <laughs> Durant brought them you can see it happen if you're gonna get a hobbit version get the extended one i guess that's that's, that's what i, 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 I got hbo max as well yeah they yeah. are on hbo max now so it's been a good good time all right well we're going to turn to performances we don't have a, a ton of stuff left best actor in either franchise and i uh, i guess it's me to kick this one yeah, I guess we don't have to vote we can just say our favorite yeah yeah we just, yeah, we yeah, just pick it. we're not going to vote but hopefully we'll all have a uh, different one so i'm going to go with <laughs> martin freeman as best actor in either franchise i think he's a true lead in the hobbit and what you talked about some of the way that he grounds those films and keeps them together even when some of it may be going off the rails. I don't think the cast overall was as strong in that Hobbit group uh, in in The Hobbit, um, but I think Martin Freeman does an incredible job. So we will throw it to Christian. Oh boy. Um, I'm, I'm gonna have to give this one to uh, good old Gandalf, just because he's, he's just so wise. And I mean, like uh, it, it, it's, it's Ian McKellen, so it's like, it's just, how could you not like you know he's 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 played so many fantastic like um iconic characters but there's just something about him it's like if if i ever were to go like you know if we ever were to live in this world like i would want him by my side more than anyone else just because of you know his knowledge experience how wise he is and whatnot and just he just makes you feel safe i don't know what it is like i feel i feel like you can have a good, good conversation with him as well just overall, learn a lot. <laughs> Eric? Because you said Ian McKellen, a part of me wants to say for someone who might have joined us on this podcast today but couldn't, the other half of High Contrast, which name is here, I'm going to mention Christopher Lee, the only member of the cast who mm. actually met mm. Tolkien and his commitment to the story, even through all that. Mine is Sean Astin. Okay. Okay. 
Yeah, I got and you. Yeah. It's hard to go against Samwise. It uh, really is, yeah. So best actress in either franchise. Christian, you can kick it off. I'm going to go with Arwen. I thought she was fantastic. She is probably one of my favorite movie characters ever. Just, I mean, she, she had a role, you know, within these movies, but um, it wasn't, I, w- I would say it was more middle ground, but she has like a fantastic, you know, kill uh, for, for the, uh, the witch King. So it's like, you know, I'm no man. It just jabs him right in the face. And it's like, it just, I, I don't know what it is. Um, and then there's, there's, Arwen and then um well don't go uh, don't go uh, all of them because there's not very uh, many no, no, okay females. that's right so okay I'm, say, I'm, done, wait, I'm done he's so right he's right you said Arwen then you mentioned jabbing in the face are you talking about Liv Tyler no yeah. no no um uh, Aowen you're saying Aowen Miranda, that's Miranda right Otto. I knew I had a feeling okay. I was gonna get their names Aowen Aowen yes not Arwen okay, sorry that's fine. so that's Miranda <laughs> Otto the actress yes. and so yes. I, I'm 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 sorry. I'm gonna go Kate Blanchett, Matthew. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's like you know, we, we originally on our sheet had best actress, best supporting actress. There's gonna be one actress category because I started thinking about it. There's there's not a ton of female. There's characters. really not a ton of female characters. Even in the original know, books, you know, I don't think we can go with Evangeline Lilly's character in Good Conscience for anything. <laughs> we we yeah. can't go with her character, but I do think she performed that character fairly yeah. well. I think she did too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, so glad when she was hailing him when she's doing this. Yeah. Thing. Matt's- Ooh, blah. But anyways. That's right. There's like little to no women characters in well, the yeah, entire. That, that was, let's finish. So it's, it's okay. Liv Tyler, Kate Blanchett, uh, Miranda Otto, Evangeline Lilly. I'm. Am I missing someone? Um, Samwise's uh, um, wife. Uh, wife. Yeah. At the end. For like ten seconds. I don't think that. Yeah. As long as Rose, it's, she was in the movies. As long as Rose Tico was in Star Wars: yeah. The Rise of Skywalker. So. <laughs> That's only because Return of the King's like five hours long. <laughs> I mean, if you were going to cut an ending, well, no, that would be the end, but eh. Yeah, there's so let's not just a say, lot. Respect to the women actresses, the uh-huh. women actresses as opposed to the, okay. Yes, they are here and they did great and they are a part of why the story is great. And I, you know, I, I, if there were more, that would be great to explore. It would be great. But it's it's ultimately a a bro's tale. I mean, I guess. <laughs> I guess there's, so. there, there's so much genuine heart and like love, and it's beyond gendered romances. Yeah, you know, like I, I don't think there's any doubt of a kind. Like if if let's say Boromir was a female, the relationship between him and Aragorn would be some kind of branched romance. If someone were to write it for Hollywood mm. like that, just that like. I took over and you weren't supposed to, and you never live it up at the last moment. It's like, no, you'll die in my arms. Like there's something very romantic about it. Um, so I, I don't know. I just feel like sometimes I don't think about it. And that's, do you think they'll bad. ever remake these? Like, cause I've heard that for Harry Potter that, I mean, it's been around like Warner brothers a bit, but there's, I think variety covered it. There's talk of having like an, a, a revamp of Harry Potter through an HBO series. So See, do, you, I'm cool with do, that. You, do you think they would do the same for Lord of the Rings? Uh, I mean, we do I have that. Point. We do have the they, Amazon movie. I mean, not movie, but series coming out, but which is supposed to not, be like way in the, in the past. past. It's supposed it's to be like the, the, with yeah. the uh, Cimmerillion, I think. Right. Yeah. From the Cimmerillion. I think so. Yeah. The 2000 page book of history. Yeah, because yeah. so that's the thing. It's pulling from it. It's not like based on I, that. I don't think they're probably gonna redo Lord of the Rings. Um, you you know you never know. But some of these movies, it's like you know, I wanted to stand up and applaud when I read that uh, they wanted to remake Jaws and Steven Spielberg told them Said to go to no. Hell. Yeah. Really? I mean, Just there's no. There's a bunch of movies that you know we don't need to re remake everything um that's true let, let things stand on there these were three films that all earned best picture nominations we had a best picture winner they were it was a very unique film undertaking it was a very impressive achievement uh you know i think we forget some of that because of 
maybe what Peter Jackson has given us since then, you know, Mortal Engines. A, a big King Kong fan or yeah. you know, the big Hobbit stand. Uh, it, it was an impressive achievement and I think it, it's enough to, to leave it alone. Cause you, my fear would be they remake them to do things like where you're talking, like let's start gender flipping the characters so mm-hmm. that we can, you know, do more. Well, yeah. That's yeah, that's fair. I I wouldn't want them to. It's just always been in the back of my mind because it's like a film franchise, at least Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, they can do whatever the hell they want. Like they can remake those. That's totally fine if they want to. Um, But we already have a perfect Hobbit. It came in 1977. (laughs) It's got some big block animation. It's got a fine (laughs) folk music soundtrack. That's true. Yeah, it's just one of those franchises where it's kind of just like untouchable. Like, if if they ever tried to like remake well, the original the Star Wars trilogy, it's like it, no. Well, yeah, and with with Harry Potter, literally the structure of those novels lends itself to a season of television. Yeah, like oh, they distribute it over the year, and like it would actually I think it would be better than what they could do with the films. Yeah, have and so have a cast convinced. committed to it. There's yeah. just so much more you could do with TV, you know, flushing out the characters more. And back then, you know, that was more of like, you know, the Twilight saga, like Twilight era, era with Harry Potter and then Lord of the Rings. Well, like every single book needed a movie, like every single one. It's like, well, I feel like they're better off as series because the Golden Compass was garbage. His Dark yeah, Materials, yeah. that's on HBO is phenomenal and i think they're shooting like season three right now but and i followed that journey all the way through i'm like oh my god this is so much better but see that's that's the odd thing is everybody there oh (laughs) what was that (laughs) um (laughs) did an elephant fall they're coming for me Coming for the ring. Uh, He's like, guys, I gotta go. Uh, everyone talks. To, everyone mentions these things in the same breath, but I feel like Lord, Lord of the Rings in particular stands out. Yes, it is fantasy, but it's almost like the fantasy world was a given where it discusses other things thematically. Whereas it's it, there's there's more weight given to both. Like for Harry Potter, it is escape to a fantasy world to talk mm. about these things, not this is the world. Yeah, you yeah, because it's more like modern fantasy. Like, there's still our world within yeah. it. Yeah, I, I, I got you. Yeah. So, so our last point, uh, our last one that we were going to hit is maybe the question is not which is the best standalone film, but do you think there is a standalone film apart from The Hobbit, 1977? Yeah, <laughs> well, uh, among the Peter Jackson six. I mean, uh, there's a there is a great moment that is alone. I think in the movies and not in the book adaptations, a, a little mirror where Sam comes after Frodo, and he is floating, and Frodo grabs his arm in the water, and, and then the when they are in fire in the volcano in Return of the King, Sam reaches and demands that Frodo not give up and reach. And the reason I bring that up is just because. That commitment in Fellowship of the Ring makes me feel like Fellowship of the Ring is kind of the best standalone story. You take a message from it about, like, this sucks, but this every life has its hardships and you have to move forward. And so even though you don't see them destroy the ring, you've gotten the point across that they are going to commit. The rest of it is sort of trials to see if they will mm-hmm. fall or succeed. So that'd be the closest, I think. I, I second that. I was thinking about it. Fellowship of the Ring probably is the only one that, that comes close to being a standalone film because while it, Pippin and Mary's fate is a little uncertain, you know that Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli are heading off to get them and you trust that they are mm. going, going to get them. You don't know that Gandalf isn't dead, but he had a closure in his arc and you don't know that Sam and Frodo make it to Mount Doom, but you know that they're together the music at the end, I mean, there's so much more hopeful kind of tone. I, I was trying to think about the Hobbit movies, none of the Hobbit movies, mm. because literally the desolation of Smaug ends on a cliffhanger when the, when Smaug <laughs> gets free and they're like, what have we done? 
God, that pisses the credits, me off. And I'm like, damn it. But Still. even the first <laughs> one, you can't even, the unexpected journey, you can't even say because they don't actually make it to no. where they're supposed to make it. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, can this movie stand on one? Well, they set out to go uh, take their mountain back and they haven't even found the mountain. <laughs> no, that whole movie so, is genuinely a first act. It's like, yeah, it's, like it's, I'm not sure. I think I'll help. Bumble, bumble, bumble. Yes, I'll help. That's it reminds movie. me yeah. of A Quiet Place, part one and two, because even though we have, you know, three acts within each movie, I do, I'm starting to view that franchise as much as The Hobbit as acts, like the first movie is act one, then act two, act three, instead of like, it's just, it's very confusing because like, how do Although, you, sorry, go ahead. I would say A Quiet Place, he never intended to make more than one. That is that true. one definitely can stand on its own. It oh, yeah. has what you would consider resolution. I but was see, more wondering how they were going to continue it. <laughs> That's but, true. That's true. Actually, weirdly enough, that kind of reinforces the Fellowship of the Ring thing because yeah. that's exactly how, like the problem is not solved, but they <laughs> know how they're going to solve it. Yeah. And like, we're, you know, <laughs> in Western good... society, people buck against the idea that you don't have it sewn up at the end a lot. Yeah. But some of the movies I like the most have an amorphous ending where you can, I mean, yeah. even a lot of Christopher Nolan doesn't wrap it up. I think of Inception. You could poll 10 different people and they would probably give you a slightly different take on how Inception ends. Yeah, mm, yeah that's true. Very true. You can. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, f- fellowship for me as well. Like I, I do agree. It does. Um, <laughs> it, it, I think it is out of all six. Like it, it is the only standalone because you know the rest of them kind of teeter into the other. But although yeah. credit, credit again to Sean Aston for that thing that I want to talk about. Jacob, he's reposted this. So in the spirit of Jacob not getting the chance to be here, <laughs> uh, Sean Aston is probably the reason Two Towers doesn't feel. Like, why did I go to the movies today? Like, he, his speech and the way he delivers, like, uh, there are lots of people had lots of chances to give up, uh, but like, they didn't. And, and that's, there's some good in this world and it's worth fighting for. Like, oh, mm. yeah, like, hey, <laughs> this is a movie. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think the fact that we brought everything full circle to Christopher Nolan has uh, earned us at least <laughs> at least a few more uh, weeks of uh, gainful, uh, I guess employment's not the right word, yeah, uh, uh, collaboration at the Music City Drive-In. But also, as we, the the Fast and Furious franchise is, is great. There we go. As we uh, look to wrap up, I'm going to hit each of you, see if you have any uh, closing thoughts or things you want to plug. Christian, you want to take off first? Uh, yeah, uh, not any really closing thoughts. Just thank you guys for you know thinking of me and inviting me on to this because it's it's been a long weekend and I was like just you know waiting for this to happen. I'm doing another uh, recording a little in a little bit, but yeah, I just wanted to thank you guys so much. You know, everyone who's listening. You can follow uh, me over at Music City Nerd. You can also follow uh, my podcast, Film Optics, that is Optics with an X, where we talk everything, you know, give everyone optical vision of movie, TV, and everything in Hollywood. You know, we've been uh, pumping out a lot of reviews. Then Black Widow came out, and what our Blackwater review came out. So, you know, we're, we're available on all podcast platforms around the Internet. So... Yeah. And you just uh, dropped a review of uh, another trilogy, right? Fear Street. Yeah, Fear Street. Morning. Yeah, Fear Street Part One um, is up on the podcast now. I do not like slasher films at all, but I'm loving this so far. We're actually recording for Part Two that will drop on Tuesday. This this coming up Tuesday, and then Part Three whenever it comes out. So, <laughs> still waiting to get a screener. <laughs> Uh, it comes out. Uh, so part two dropped this Friday. Part three drops uh, this coming out Friday. Yeah. Part three dropped this Friday. No. No, no. It, it was part two. two. It was part two. Part two. Trust me, Nin- I want to know. Nineteen seventy-eight dropped. So on if I click the Six- option, does it like just watch the trailer? Yeah, it's the. Trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, it's the okay. Yeah, well. sixteen sixty-six <laughs> is the uh, means- is the last one. But, so yeah. if, if one of my friends bothered to watch this today, if we'd have watched it, we'd have been caught up. <laughs> yeah yeah right. only two parts out eric what uh closing thoughts what do you want to plug oh my god <laughs> one day 
you will be able to follow High Contrast on Twitch. I mean, you can now. And what you'll see that do on there is live fan edit. This is a finished fan edit of all three Hobbit movies in one story. Really? You will never believe how easy it was to remove Legolas entirely from the movie, except for when they're actually in there. Hey, him and Tariel are there. They bring the scout back to Thranduil, and then they are gone. And it took out, I think it took out roughly 45 to 50 minutes of the movie. And then another 25 minutes of screen time was the molten lava gold. (laughs) The Kraft Mac and Cheese. (laughs) The Kraft Mac and Cheese. Are you okay? Do you hear something? Everyone went robot. Everyone's breaking up. uh, (laughs) This might be a good spot. I know you've been releasing every uh, Friday your soul care pieces. You want to tell people a little bit about that? I'm sorry. One more time. <laughs> your Friday column, your new Friday columns. I do. I, I I'm having. Uh, you'll see a new article coming out weekly. Uh, it's a self care spotlight, so it's self-care. not your usual sorry. roundup. Uh, Matt and and can give you like what you should watch on TV because he'll have watched it. Ricky can give you what you should watch because he'll have watched it. But I like to take more of a mental health angle at what feels like it's a good like as someone who's been an avid fan of watching trailers as their own thing like separate from a movie at times. I'm just going to give you a recommendation on like, hey, what are you more or less likely to have been happy you watched this weekend? That gives you some kind of self-care. Mm. So you can check that out. And then, uh, yeah, if you want to see some trailer drops of Music City Drive-In, uh, I'll be dumping at least three a day. Wow. Yep. Well, <laughs> I want to uh, say thank you to both of you. This has been uh, a lot of fun. It was fun to thank dive you. back thank into you. these uh, films. Couple of things coming up uh, for me. I probably write way too much to highlight one thing, uh, but Ricky uh, provided that uh, we're still on speaking terms, and I will be launching a new show for the network, Happy Hour with uh, Matt and Ricky. We're going to start uh, probably at the end of this month. We're going to be looking at uh, rankings as we get close to the football season. Uh, going to be some football chat. Uh, looking at rankings, games of the week. Ricky's going to give his thoughts on the DFS slate, and then we are going to end each week with a movie corner. Um, so it should be exciting. Literally happy hour. That's nice. Yeah, <laughs> Ricky. Yep, Ricky and I uh, agree on probably seventy percent of movies. Our scores are really close, but on that other thirty percent, I would say we're diametrically opposed. <laughs> and I'm sure those are going to be the ones uh, that we find. It's some real. Real fun uh, back and forth, but looking forward to that. Looking forward to a new football season, and we're looking forward to Thank being God. back with all of you soon. Be sure to check us out and uh, subscribe and watch all the shows on the network. Thank you very much. You. The Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One pod to rule them all. Exactly. That's probably a podcast name out there somewhere. <laughs> now it's this one.